Welcome to the Self Made Theory, the podcast that's all about innovating, overcoming, and prospering. We interview founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs, and other exciting people about their amazing business journey. Over to your host, Ben Campbell, for this week's episode. Welcome back to The Self-Made Theory. It's been a few weeks since we've released an episode because we've been working on creating some amazing new things at The Self-Made Theory, some of which I can't tell you about just yet, but... One of them involves a professional film crew, some video production, and a pilot episode, so stay tuned. In this episode of The Self-Made Theory, I have my youngest ever guest, 17-year-old Will Bishop, an entrepreneur who has created three Apple Watch apps with amazing success. And it's an interesting insight into how a 17-year-old can do a better job at creating apps than the likes of Twitter, Wikipedia, and Reddit. In our chat, we go through how problem solving really is at the root of most entrepreneurship, what it's like to be on stage in front of 500 people when you're only 17. We talk about what's more important, education or passion, and how the different age brackets and the balance between risk, age, and responsibility can play out. Will also talks about his experience in winning a competition to attend the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference in California. I really enjoyed my conversation with Will, and I'm sure you will too. My name is Ben Campbell, and this is The Self-Made Theory. So let's start with your elevator pitch. Who is Will Bishop? Will Bishop. Well, yeah, as you said, a 17-year-old developer. I usually start by saying, like, I'm a high schooler, but technically I graduated last week, so I don't think I'm allowed to say that anymore. (laughs) I make Apple Watch apps, so I typically just bridge the gap between third-party services like Twitter, Reddit, and Wikipedia and bring them all to the Apple Watch because for all of those apps previously, it just wasn't available. And with the Apple Watch getting more and more independent with 4G and capability and, and all that, you could go out for a run and then you're totally disconnected from the world. And some people like that and they like that appeal and other people still want to be connected. And so I kind of make that a possibility. Hmm. So you didn't just start that last week. You've clearly been on this journey for a while. Where did it start for you? So my interest in technology has kind of been around for as long as I can remember. There's a couple different definitive starts for me. First one, I was four and bored in a cafe with my mum and I played on her friend's Blackberry phone covered in buttons and I was hooked from that point on or <laughs> you know, playing with the TV remote because it was just covered in buttons and I loved it. I just loved to fiddle, really. And then the second start for me came in year eight, the very first year of high school where our teacher made us learn Python and I hated so Python's it. Python's a programming language yep, yep, for yep. people who don't know. Yep. And I hated it. I thought it was awful. I thought I never want to program again. This is boring. And the reason that was is because they were telling me, use Python to make this. And I would say, well, I don't want to make that. That's boring. I don't want to do it. And so after two terms of that, I thought, this is lame. Never want to do it again. And then it turns out that in the next semester, we had another course. And this was supposed to be more around multimedia and not programming. But then one day, no one did their homework. And so our teacher snapped and said, that's it. We're not doing animation. We're going to learn Python. (laughs) Flipped on a whim because not a single kid in this class of 20 did their homework that night. And so she said, all right, I want you all to make a game. It's due in three weeks. I don't think she knew Python either. So it kind of made it hard whenever we ran into a problem. But she gave us three weeks to make a game that did whatever we want. And I ended up making a clone of Pong. 
And so because I was able to sort of build whatever I wanted, it kind of made me fall in love with the whole idea. And then the next start, which really got me going, was really just because I didn't like my school's website. And my school got mad last time I said that because I should clarify, it's not the school website, it's the learning management system for grades and classes and all that. I really hated how there was no way to know when a grade got posted. And I would sit there refreshing every 20 minutes to figure out if my new test grade had come out. And of course it hadn't. And I'd waste my whole night just sitting there refreshing the page. And I thought, (laughs) got to be a better way to do this. So I ended up writing a program which checked that for me and checked every five minutes instead of every 20 minutes. So you wrote it for on your laptop? Yeah, I just wrote a program that would every five minutes check if new grades were out. And if they were, send a notification to my phone telling me that something's come out. And then I you know, gradually improved upon it. And instead of telling me that something had come out, it would tell me what exactly had come out and it would get better and better. And then I thought, right, well, I should turn this into an iOS app. And so I got a secondhand MacBook off Gumtree and started going down the app path. And that's kind of what led me here. Yeah, right. Wow. That's a great beginning. Now, you've got three apps in the App Store today. You've got one for Twitter. Mm -hmm. You've got one for Reddit and Wikipedia, all based on the Apple Watch. Yeah. Why did you choose the Apple Watch as your platform? I could act and be a genius entrepreneur and there was a big gap in the market and I had to get there. But truth be told, I was getting an Apple Watch for Christmas. I said I would go halves to my parents and I thought, well, I'm really, I'm going to want to go on Reddit in class or in assemblies and that. <laughs> How hard could this be? How hard could it be to make that app? Yeah, really, it was just, I was bored in class and thought, I want to go on Reddit, not allowed to take my phone out. So I got to watch now. Let's see what can be done. Most people would say Reddit, Wikipedia and Twitter are fairly big companies. Mm. Why didn't they have a suitable app themselves? Well, I think the most curious case in all that is Twitter because they did. They had an Apple Watch app at launch for the new watch. It was showed on stage when the Apple Watch was announced. It was a big deal. And then shortly after, they one day just deleted it and people noticed it wasn't on their watches anymore. And then when asked for a statement, Twitter said something along the lines of, well, we really want to focus on notifications and make our notification system better, which to me seems completely unrelated. An app and a notification, they're linked, but they're not, you know, one isn't a substitute for the other. And so because there was no real good Twitter apps out at the time for the watch, that's kind of where I came in and did it myself. As far as Wikipedia goes, one could probably argue it's not a great idea to have it on the watch. And I would probably be inclined to agree with you. It's long form content. It's a lot of scrolling, but I found it's kind of saved me before where I've been sitting watching a movie or something where I'm thinking, gee, how long does this go for? And be rude to pull out my phone so I can just kind of sneakily look it up. And as far as Reddit goes, Reddit are quite slow adopters into things. As a company, they're usually quite behind. And some like that about Reddit. They kind of move at their own pace. But I was, like I said, bored in class and they hadn't solved the problem. So I thought I'd do it myself. You said you think that yeah, Wikipedia is not a great application necessarily for a watch. Just reading some reviews here off the App Store. So your Wikipedia app's called MiniWiki. Absolutely tremendous. MiniWiki is probably the fastest loading Apple Watch app I've installed. It's incredibly streamlined and gets you the information you're looking for. I haven't heard that review. Absolutely love it. First five-star review I've posted on any Apple Watch app. Amazing job. And then for your chirp for Twitter, which is your app for Twitter, 
It says, very solid app, impressively good on a small screen and renders text, websites, links, articles really well. Happy bought the premium version. Keep up the good work. And Nano for Reddit is your uh, app for Reddit. Before learning about this app, I never even considered being able to use Reddit on my wrist. However, with the amazing functionality and usability of Nano, just like a Reddit client I would use on another device, I am blown away by the new opportunity that I now have on my Apple iWatch. Nicely done. When you hear reviews like that, how does that make you feel? Well, considering most of those reviews, I don't think I've actually heard before. I feel pretty good. <laughs> I do think a lot of people don't think of it as a possibility. They think Twitter on their Apple Watch seems like a match made in heaven, but for a lot of people, it doesn't really cross their mind until they might see it one day on the app store and think, oh, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. And so like those reviews are saying, you know, I hadn't even considered this sort of thing before. Most people haven't. And then when they see it, it kind of like opens their eyes, I guess, to the potential that the Apple Watch has. I think a lot of it is still an untapped market. Mm, yeah. What's next? Do you have other development plans for future? Well, what's next? I'm currently working on a huge update to Chirp. That's the Twitter app. Yep. Plan to launch pretty soon. And that is rewriting a lot of the underlying code to make it a lot more stable, a lot faster. So that's the more immediate plans is working on Chirp. Then I want to sort of give the same treatment to Nano because being the first app I ever made, it isn't incredibly robust. It's not the most reliable. It crashes sometimes. Whereas my newer apps like MiniWiki really stable. They're really great because I just got a lot better at coding. So the plan's next to kind of go back and improve upon what I have. And then if while doing that, a new idea pops into my head for something completely different, I guess you'll have to interview me again in a year and see, see what I've done with it. <laughs> do people pitch you ideas? Yes. Do you get your friends and your family and others saying, oh, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you Everyone do has an app idea. Everyone's going, well, it'd be really great if I had an app that did this like specific thing. That three people in the world will use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the app that you know they would use. No one else. I'm I'm still grateful for ideas, but I think I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages on Twitter, people pitching ideas for new apps or just features within my app that are just like I mean, not to be mean to their ideas, but some of them you just wonder. You know, I mean, it's not that you know they're not smart enough to think of a good idea, but a lot of ideas require more thought than just this would be a cool app. You have to think about, is it really feasible? Is that achievable? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. I mean, the biggest challenge for many software companies is what features to include and what not to, and making sure that you don't end up with such an amazing amount of features that the thing is so damn hard to use. And that's the challenge, and particularly with, I imagine, with watch apps, yeah. right? you would need to be super, super disciplined to make sure that you stay the course, making sure it's usable. Yeah, I get messages on Twitter asking for features in Chirp that I just have to say no to because it might be a cool feature, but it might take me a week to implement. That's a lot of time and one person might use it. And on a screen as big as the watch, you have to be really conservative with how you implement things because chuck too much stuff in there, it's going to slow down. You're not going to be able to read anything. And so when I do add a new feature like that, I often add a little setting to the app so that people can disable it. So people might not want the like and retweet buttons, for example, while they scroll through things. So you can turn that off. And so I do like to cater to the power users and add lots of features, but also cater to those who don't really want them and just want a nice minimal sort of look. And so it's not too much extra work to cater to both. And it kind of means you have to hit both markets. Brilliant. Are you making money out of them? I am. <laughs> so my apps are free, but yeah, it's not all about money. 
but it's a little bit. And so my apps do have pro upgrades in all of them. And I'm trying to be as consumer friendly as possible. They are one-time purchases. They are pay what you want. You don't need to buy them to unlock you know, the, the, the entire app. It's more just small little features that more power users are going to use. You can unlock through a $2 one-time payment. And it's not a huge amount of people that decide to do it because for most people, the free version is good enough. And that's kind of how I like it. So a great way to summarize it for at least Chirp and Nano is it's more like a read-only sort of app. You can read Twitter, you can read Reddit, you can browse stuff like that. But when you want to add to the discussion, you want to add a comment, that's when that pro upgrade, that's you know $2 comes in. And it's a system that's worked really well for me. People really like the consumer-friendly approach, especially when the App Store now, it's got so much spam and subscription junk in it that having an app that sort of seems to care a little bit more about that experience seems to really resonate with people. Are you a busy executive with not enough time to work on your business and fit in physical exercise into your day? As a business coach and mentor, many of the executives I work with understand that their most precious resource is time. On top of running their business and the demands of life in general, the challenge for many is fitting exercise into their busy lives. Harvard Business Review indicates your mental firepower as an executive is directly linked to your physical regimen. Exercise brings improved concentration, sharper memory, faster learning, prolonged mental stamina, enhanced creativity and lower stress. And that doesn't include all the physical health benefits as well. In response to this, we've launched Self-Made Cycling, our business and executive coaching services conducted not in the boardroom, but on the bike. It's a brilliant way to combine all the benefits of working on your business challenges while bringing you the physiological benefits of exercise. Years ago, a lot of business was conducted on the golf course. Today, it's time to handle your business on the handlebars. We cater for all levels of executives and cycling experience. Beginner, pro, entrepreneur, manager, CEO, weekly, fortnightly or monthly. We've got you covered. We've launched this service in January at the Tour Down Under in Adelaide, but can work with executives anywhere in the world using your smart trainer and platforms like Zwift. And don't forget to chat to your accountant. Did I hear someone say tax deduction? Visit our website, selfmadecycling.com.au or call 1300theory. Business and cycling, it doesn't get any better. So you finished high school now. What's next? Is this the full-time gig? Do you have other plans? Well, I certainly want to go to uni and get a computer science degree. So I'm planning on doing a mid-year entry because I don't meet all the prerequisites. I'm actually doing maths general at the moment. And to get into computer science, you need math methods. So I'm going to be doing a bridging course for the next six months. And while I'm doing that, I'll be working out of Stone and Chalk on my own stuff. And then... Let's talk about Stone and Chalk. So Stone and Chalk's the incubator slash co-working space. I don't like the term co-working space, I found out. Okay. If you Google Stone and Chalk, it says co-working space in Adelaide, but they think they're more than that. They are more than that because right? they really are an incubator for, yeah, definitely. You know, for startups and others. And so they've been appointed by the South Australian government, mm. located here in Lot 14, which is uh, the SA government's uh, entrepreneurial and ecosystem, yep. up, whatever you want to call it. A little startup spot, yeah. Yeah, and of which is going to have some pretty big companies mm. here too, not just a startup. So you're located here. Mm. How did you get that gig? Did you buddy up to somebody? Gee, I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to be saying. I got contacted on Twitter by someone involved with Stone and Chalk asking if I would be interested in getting involved. That's where I'll put that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you're basically here, and so this is where you do most of your coding and other things from, yeah? Yeah. So starting next year, I think I want to set myself a rule where I don't work in my room. At the moment at home, my bedroom is where I sleep, but it's also where I watch TV and movies and play games and then work and work really hard. That can't be healthy. (laughs) So I think I'm going to have my room. My room is going to be for sleeping and for, you know, playing games, just like relaxing sort of stuff. And then I'm going to work out of stone and chalk whenever I want to work. Or if I'm not coming into stone and chalk, working in the lounge room, just anywhere but my room. So I'm really excited to sort of take that approach to things next year. Mm. You had a pretty amazing experience recently with Mm. the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference. Yeah. WWDC. How did that come about? Every year, Apple open up scholarship opportunities for students or anyone just enrolled in a STEM organization. And the way that works is you write an app and they don't really give you a whole lot of criteria. They just sort of say, make an app with Swift Playgrounds, which is an app that they developed. And then it's right between, I think, 1,500 and a 2,000-word essay. And they give you a guiding question, but a lot of it is on you. They want to get to know you and what you do in that. And so for the last couple of years, I've thought, this is too hard. I don't know how to use Swift Playgrounds. I don't know how to write this essay. And so I just haven't even tried. And this year was potentially my last year as a student. I wasn't sure if I was going to uni. So I thought, well, I really have to give it a crack this year. So I made an educational game where I had five levels and each focused on like a different aspect of early education. And then to make it a little bit more fun between each level, there was a plane flying and then the last place it flew to was WWDC in the end. (laughs) Just kind of, you know, went over the reviewers a bit. You got to play the game. A nice pitch. That's clever. And then I wrote my 2000 word essay. So it's like 500 words on each question they give you. And then you get I think 11 days to do all that. They usually give you more, but the day that they typically would announce it was overshadowed by another announcement they had that day. So they waited another week and then we got 11 days to do it. And then they had three weeks to market. And those 21 days feel like the longest three weeks of your life because you either get an email that means you get to fly to the US, you get to attend this conference or you get an email that says, eh, try again next year. It's an email of you get nothing. Hero or zero. Yeah, exactly. And so I was sitting on my bus on the way to the city when I I got an email and I'm the kind of person who loves surprises. So I went into my email app and I left notifications on, but I disabled subjects and content. So I just see the sender. So I saw Apple developer come in and I had to tap it to see what it was going to be. And it was like opening a present where maybe nothing would be inside. (laughs) And I opened it up and it said, congratulations. We loved your submission. Click here to accept it. And I just like had the biggest grin. I would look like a loon on the bus, but I had the biggest grin and immediately I'm like calling mom, calling yeah. dad. Yeah. So it was an incredible experience. So what did that entitle you to? So what the scholarship gives, gives you a ticket to the conference, which is typically about two to two and a half grand, I think. Yeah, it's expensive. I don't know how anyone can afford to go off if it's not like a company paying for it. And on top of that, it gives you accommodation for the week as well. So they partner with the San Jose State University. So you get lodging, a ticket to the conference, and I'm sure there was something else. But I mean, that's the two main things. You get accommodation and a ticket. You still have to get yourself there. Though, if you are facing any kind of financial hardship, they have sponsorships in place as well to give to about half the students if they need it. And fortunately, because of everything, I'm in a position where, I mean, I'm able to fund that sort of thing myself. 
I would not have been able to fund the ticket because that's a ridiculous amount to pay for a conference ticket. <laughs> and so what did you learn? I mean, going there was obviously a great experience, right? Who doesn't want to get fly over the other side of the world to attend an amazing conference like yeah. that? But what did you walk away with? Ooh, everyone sort of says that you should go to WWDC with a project and that you should go and then you can work with the developers there to build this project. Unfortunately, I didn't take that advice and I said, ah, we'll see how we go. Learn as I go. And if I ever get to return, I will not do that. I'm going to actually go and have some clear direction as to what I want to get out of it. So I think this year was a lot of just sort of feeling my way around, seeing what it is. And so defining clear takeaways from it is quite difficult. But I think it really made me want to keep going in this because some of the stuff that Apple is doing really is really cool. And I would love to be a part of that sort of stuff one day. And so going to the conference, seeing the people working there made me think, yeah, this I'm going down the right path. Yeah, cool. So let's fast forward a few years, four or five years. You finished your computer science degree. Yeah. You've successfully graduated university. Hopefully, yeah. What does the future look like for Will Bishop? That's a tough one because I love Adelaide. I'm really not keen to leave. I think Adelaide's got, it's an incredible spot. But unfortunately for Adelaide, the job market here, at least in tech, is quite small. Certainly getting bigger every day. And especially with these initiatives like Lot 14 and Stone and Chalk, it's getting bigger. But there are sort of like bigger fish to fry sort of thing overseas and interstate. And so I'm going to have to weigh it up at the end of those four years and think, oh, what Adelaide got now. It's hard to say now because it feels like we're sort of at the start of this new big thing we're trying to do. And in four to five years, when we've really matured, we'll be able to think, evaluate it then and decide which direction I want to take. Mm. I mean, the government's working pretty hard to keep people like you, to keep talent like you in this state. And we all clearly want that. But as you pointed out, let's see what happens in four years, whether we're actually at that point, whether we've gone past that tipping point. Yeah. Well, I did an interview with Vix and they did, they asked me, why I wanted to get a degree when I told them. I was honest. I said, well, there's no way I'll get a visa to the US without a degree. (laughs) And uh, I bet you can guess what part did not make that final cut. (laughs) Well, as you know, this is an independent podcast and we only cut our ums and ahs and mistakes that we made. We leave the content in. (laughs) Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality, I think, at the moment. But That's not to say, yeah, in four to five years, who knows? I might think, well, this degree was worthless. I could have just stayed here. And look, there are a lot of great successes here in South Australia and particularly in what you're doing. So I don't know if you know Russell from Pocket Cast. Let's see what those guys have achieved. It's amazing. Yeah. And they haven't had to leave the state to do that. Um, They've had to go to a few worldwide developer conferences, of course. But certainly possible. But, yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, I actually got the chance to interview Russell for my research project at school. Did you? Good. Yeah, and then he told me about a local developer meetup. So I see him and a bunch of other Adelaide developers, usually around once a month if I can make it. And it's great because there's only 10 of us. I feel like this kind of little underground unknown society of nerds. (laughs) We just sit there and talk about (laughs) Apple for an hour and a half. It's great. So what do you see? What sort of role would you be interested in? I mean, is coding the thing for you for the future? So I love coding. I love it. I love, I think really what I love more than coding is creating a product and then seeing people use it. And like, as you said, reading out those reviews, that's really what makes it all worth it. Getting paid from the 5% of people who actually decide to pay for it. That's great. But seeing a review of someone saying, I love your app or people I've had, you know, dads, for example, tell me that they use their app while they were sitting in the waiting room sort of thing or when they're trying to put their kid to sleep and they just won't, so they're just holding them in their arms, bored. And they think, oh, I'll go on Twitter because 
some 17 year old on the other side of the world made that a reality. That's really what I get out of it. Yeah, that's cool. And then aside from coding, what I love is speaking. Public speaking scares the hell out of me. But every time I get off from doing it, like get off the stage, I think, wow, that was brilliant. Love that. Love to do that again. <laughs> Even though on, on the way there, I'm terrified. Thinking, this is going to go awfully. I'm going to lose my train of thought. And then I get off the stage thing. let's do that. Let's do that again. <laughs> and so I'd love to be in a role where I get to do something like that. A lot of higher up developers at Apple are in those kind of roles when they speak at the conferences. And that's something I can really see myself doing. Something I think I would really enjoy. Hmm. Yeah, good. So there's a kid who's 13 or 14 thinking about starting a coding career yeah what advice would you give them go for it you're 13 you're in you know year nine at school it's not that important really <laughs> i mean let's be honest it's not i think years eight through 11 just about you can kind of do whatever you want you're going to get to the next grade it's not the best advice to give i mean still finish your assignments but if you have a passion now is the time when you're older and you have a full-time job and you have no time. It's so difficult to try and do that stuff. So when you're 13, 14, just Google it. Google how to make a game in Python and get started. That's how I got started is I literally Googled how to make a game in Python just about and I found some tutorial on how to make Pong. I thought, right, I'll follow this. And that's what got me started. So that's what I would say if there's any 13, 14-year-olds listening. Say sorry to your teachers, but you really want to pursue this other passion of yours. I love the advice. I absolutely agree. The older you get, the more challenging it is because of responsibilities and you understand risk a little bit more and all yeah. those other things. That's true as well. When you're, when you're 14, you can do whatever you want. You're invincible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mate, congratulations on your great success so far. No doubt there'll be plenty of people listening and watching to see what your next adventure is as you continue on this amazing journey. So, well done. Thank you. Cheers. Pretty cool interview, huh? He's a great guy, Will. I'm planning to do another follow-up interview with Will later in the year, so make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more about Will, including where to download his apps, head to our website, theselfmadetheory.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, keep innovating, overcoming, and prospering.